Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Some people lurking in the background, and uh, we got an all-star cast in here. At oh, least yeah. all-star to me. So you guys will be using, probably use that mic. This mic will pick it up probably, but uh, we'll go down. You guys introduce each introduce yourselves, starting with uh, this guy right here, who you are. Hello, my name is Joe. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, no, otherwise known as Prime. Prime, yeah. Prime, uh, Prime <laughs> that, was, that was in depth. That sounds <laughs> like an AA meeting address. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Joe, and uh, I have a problem. <laughs> uh, next in the middle, this, okay. this this young man over here, Robert Hyde here. Your favorite Christian libertarian. All right. And on my left is Mr. Mike Bennett, aka Doctor Future, the prior host of Future Quake, 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 Quake. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys have been so good to uh, come and uh, be part of the show tonight for our fiftieth anniversary. anniversary. Our fiftieth show. So and now to introduce our problems. regular. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's move down. 
and uh, wanted to start with Dr. Future, and uh, we want to talk about what uh, you've been working on, and uh, you guys pass the mic, as the right. boys like to say. All right. And uh, give well, a freestyle. I would like to say, <laughs> I'd like to say happy happy 50th to Conspira Normal, and like I say, you all don't look a day over 30. <laughs> So age is, <laughs> age is done well for Conspira Normal, and uh, I had the privilege, I guess, of being on the very first Conspira Normal. Is that not right? Well, it was actually the second show, which you were the very first guest. First guest, yeah. okay. And uh, what's uh, ironic is the guy next to me was the first guest of my show, Future Quake, back in 2005, and also the last guest. So he opened it up and shut it down. So um, we, we can talk uh, whatever you want to, but I've been busy typing my fingers and writing a book in the post-future quake era so uh whatever you want to talk about that's great but it's good to be here with you guys thank you right um, on. let's talk about uh, what you're writing about right now dr future okay well if you remember future quake it was a lot like your show where you take on a brand new topic every week and so that was always hard to keep up with all these different topics and try to be sufficiently conversant to have something useful to say for people and after seven years and 300 shows I felt like we talked about everything that probably was appropriate to talk about by that time and I decided to go in a little bit more depth with some topics that had piqued my interest particularly toward the end of the run of Future Quake and one recurring theme that came up during Future Quake was what I consider the defining event of our generation which was uh, the 911 event and the subsequent war on terror. Okay. It it infuses itself into the psyche of everyone in this generation, almost like the JFK uh, assassination was a generation before. Right. Um, it by extension, it not only affects Americans, but it affects other people around the globe, and uh, it'll have a legacy that'll far outlast our lives. And so, uh, being someone who uh, cares about the spiritual aspects of life, uh, I thought to look at what were the ramifications here over 10 years after the start of it um, that were spiritual implications of what has happened, uh, what are some of the root causes, particularly in exposing information that the average American, even uh, particularly uh, the church-going type, was not exposed to that might influence how they look at world and their worldview and uh, try to give them some missing data missing pieces of a puzzle because it is a puzzle it's a mosaic and you got to find all the pieces of the puzzle and put them together on a great big table before the picture really emerges of what's going on and so that started to be a book and I wondered can I write a complete book on this topic and right now it looks to be a five volume set plus a spinoff book so uh, since the two and a half years Future Quake was on, I've, I've drafted um, probably four and a half volumes of the five-volume set, plus a spinoff book has come off of it. So hopefully after about 2,000 pages of manuscript, I'm about four-fifths of the way there. So I can see light at the end of the tunnel. Still a lot of work to go in that area. Well, one of the things you talked about a lot on Future Quake was uh, this idea of, uh, what was it, the Knights of St. John? Yeah. Holy War and what's going on in the Middle East with the, uh, well, kind of like a threefold with the, Is with the Israelis and the Muslims and the Christians. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and it's funny you brought this up because that actually 
is the last part of the book series that is yet to be drafted. But I have the information compiled. And uh, ba basically what you find is a theme I in this. It's called the Holy War Chronicles, uh, uh, the War on Terror, a Spiritual Perspective. And um, the whole concept of holy wars where you have particularly monotheists fighting each other over world control and using spiritual justification for it. Uh, what you find when you look through history, and the first three volumes are history. Uh, history that we're generally not familiar with. And even if you know tidbits of it, people rarely put it all together and see a picture that emerges from, from um, little bits that they hear, hear here and there. But basically this whole idea of holy wars and chivalry and holy knights that think they're doing God's business, be they Christian, Jews, Muslims, by taking up arms and eradicating by force and, and presumably advancing the kingdom of God by violent means okay. is a theme that has written the pages of history of the last several thousand years. And I come from a Christian background, and they have certainly made their contribution to it. When I say Christian, I don't mean that these activities reflected the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. If anything, they're the opposite. And he exposed this kind of thing. It's just people haven't learned the lesson, or many of them haven't. And so it's a book that documents really particularly the failure of those who have seen better examples and have continued to, to, to go this way. And here in the modern era of the 21st century, when we have access to all sorts of information, uh, we can understand people across the globe. We can call, and in, in microseconds, we can speak to people from different cultures in this other world. But yet we are, we've never been more ignorant of other people in other cultures than we are today. And w with all the tools that we've had to be able to correct misunderstandings, to meet people eye to eye, to resolve disputes, we have let middlemen who actually make money and benefit from fomenting anger and distrust, we've let them define the agenda. And it's been that way throughout history, but we're really without excuse in these days. And that's why it's cool to have internet radio, shows like this, where people can contact directly with each other and we go around the gatekeepers of our communications and media and I'm trying another venue through the books to do a more exhaustive kind of documentation of this for people who care. How do you feel what um, what you're writing about, how do you feel that it differs from kind of like the mainstream evangelical, what other books are written about today? Yeah, well... Um, Robert, you can join in on this as well. Well, um, boy, where do I start with that? You know, the kind of things, the kind of things that we hear, are that the um, let's talk about the Muslim community. Okay, um, we have people who tell us that these people are all radical. They want to kill every one of us. They want to establish a worldwide caliphate and Islamic law. That the reason why they're angry with us is because of our freedoms. Uh, and that it behooves us for the sake of God to kill them before they kill us. And um, I think one of the real turning points with me when I realized that I really needed to dig, do the research and dig into this and begin documenting is when I started doing my own limited research and finding out, for example, that groups like the Muslim Brotherhood, which is one of the main punching bags of... Uh, you know, people on, on this side of the world as being the source of all evil, 
when I when I found out that they had been created by British intelligence, right. and that the whole pan-Islamic movement was started by British intelligence to stop the secular, anti-colonial independence movements in the Middle East, that they were a tool of Western intelligence to control the people in the Middle East, and that how the Americans had followed up. You know, we were late to our own imperial control in the Middle East. When we got involved with the House of Saud and using the Wahhabi extremists in Saudi Arabia to do the same thing, and it even extends to Israel, uh, where Israel admits on the record that they created Hamas to try to control the, uh, the PLO, the secular uh, PLO groups for the same reason. And you see a pattern emerging of basically these exceptional nations, as they refer to themselves, who feel like they have a divine right to control the affairs of other people around the world, and they don't mind deceiving their own people in their own type to set up false enemies, to set up false flag events, and that's really a history of what the war on terror is all about, uh, is a series of these events done under the guise of other people. You know, when I began to learn that when the American fighters, when they went into Afghanistan, they started collecting all of the extremist literature in the madrasas, and all of it was printed by the U.S. government and yeah. had been printed at the University of Nebraska and that the Taliban had been flown to the University of Nebraska and our own special forces had taught them how to build IEDs and bombs and been trained by them and all of these kind of things. Was this before September 11th? Uh, yes, they had, done, they had done this before September 11th. Um, in fact... Um, the records, and, and by the way, in, in this research, I've tried to be very careful and only use top references, like the most esteemed references. For example, congressional testimony, court records where people are under oath testifying, and maybe a few newspapers of record in nations like the New York Times, L.A. Times, uh, you know, uh, Stern, and some other uh, ones nationally uh, for this reference material. But, but even from them, you can find a train record where that guys like Osama bin Laden were working closely with our intelligence agencies, not just through the overthrow of the Russians, but long afterwards, uh, where you have international newspapers reporting CIA guys meeting with bin Laden in a hospital in Dubai about a month before the 911 attacks, along with Saudi intelligence. Um, and it goes on and on from there. Now, that's... That really, that kind of information comprises the first volume of the series. The second volume of the Holy War Chronicles gets into not how we've been trained to view the, the rest of the world or how, how the world looks at us because of our foreign policy, but how we look at the rest of the world through our media gatekeepers that have chosen to paint people in a certain way around the world to keep the warfare state going, to keep the war profiteers uh, funded. Uh, the third volume gets into the role of people of faith and institutions of faith, and sadly their bloody record in being able to perpetuate these holy wars. The fourth volume gets into the real nuts and bolts of individuals and the current anti-Sharia war on terror battle in our culture that really names names in great detail. And the fifth volume shows people who are actually trying to help solve the problem in very modest ways and shows, one, that there is some hope, but also that we're at a dire state right now that if people of goodwill, whether they're people of faith or not, but if, unless they stand up and speak up and stop the madness, that we haven't seen anything yet as far as an impact not only hurting people in the third world, 
in people who really aren't empowered in global politics, but even the rest of us here in the, the Western world are going to be our own worst enemies. Do you think that um, there is such a thing as real Islamic fundamental terrorism? Uh, or do you think that it's all set up, or do you think that maybe because we've set it up that it that did that caused it to happen? Um, Not out of control in a way. That's an excellent question, and I can't answer it definitively, but I can answer you based upon the data I've looked at that there is probably a mixture of um, some genuine false flag activity. And I document that in my book series, what is already... And sometimes you have to wait a generation for it to be uncovered. Like, for example, in the second volume of the book series, I talk about the right-wing domestic terror groups that were set up by the FBI in America. Uh, one group in particular called the Minutemen that had planned to blow up the Republican National Convention in 1972 yeah. and, and were caught, and it was admitted in court that that's what they were doing. And so there's a whole set of people around the world uh, who, who have been constructed that way. There are other people who are just zealots, and, and amongst those you have to say, why do they feel this way? There are some people that seem like to some degree they're just malevolent, but there's a large part of these radicals who their communities have suffered. They have suffered under the boot of Western domination or domination by others, and they feel a sense of desperation. Are they responding in the right way? No. Are they responding with violence? Yes, un unfortunately. But would we act the same way if we were in their shoes? I would say not only would we, but if we look at the American Revolution, we had people in our nation under much less oppression responded violently ourselves. We got some Sam Adams on the table here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't speak to that. I'm the designated uh, radio host here, so you know, <laughs> keeps the decorum here. So um, you, you've got all that going on, but you also have another group who um, believe that they're doing something right to resist these overpowering power, and they're being funded through parties that are actually conduits for Western intelligence, and they don't even know it. They think they're working to free their people from subjugation, and they're actually being tools of Western intelligence, and they don't have a clue that they are. Right. So all of that is going on uh, simultaneously. But I will tell you that when you look at the more spectacular terror events that occur, the kinds that make people worry that they scare us about in the media, those are the kinds, if, you, if you're a student of history, you'll find out that they have to be done by state sponsors. It's not a bunch of guys sitting in a cave that can pull this stuff off or a bunch of guys to get together. Uh, when you hear these terrorist things in the FBI where they, they, they save us from something terrible, virtually every case it's a case where they set up a guys in a mosque or some other similar group. They, uh, the ringleader who gets everybody together, has all the money and weapons, is an FBI plant. And right when they've got them there to go accept a, a, a package, then they go tell them they stop this incredible terrorist state. Right. So um, are there are there there's some bad people in every culture, okay? There are bad people in America, in England, in Israel, in Palestine, in Iran, in all these other places. But the overwhelming number of people on these places are good. But they just tend not to have the power. Uh, there are movements, for example, there's one in Israel that reached out through Facebook to tell the people of Iran, hey, we're the average people in Israel and we don't have anything against you in Iran. We just want to live our lives in peace. 
And they didn't hear anything for a while, and finally they started hearing from some Iranian people saying, we believe the same thing. We don't have anything against you, but our government was resisting us saying something. And while they were getting flack from their government, the Israeli government was giving flack to the Israelis. But the common people, when they talked to each other, they found out they just want to raise their families. Okay, they want to be at peace with other people. They want to enjoy and appreciate the culture of other people. And in fact, the people of Iran, they started putting pictures of of uh, Esther's tomb and Daniel's tomb and things where they actually respected the Jewish faith and other kind of things. But it's the middlemen in between us that have a financial or power trip interest in keeping us at odds with each other. And ultimately, it falls on our responsibility to put a leash on these people. We can't just wring our hands and say, well, that's the way it is. We have an obligation, particularly once you know something, to, to expose these people for who they are. It, when they're in our government or somebody else's. Yeah. I'm just giving a little clap here. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If everybody could see it like we're doing a video podcast or something, Luke kind of looks like a wallow right now. He's like training in the madrasa. Actually, <laughs> you know, I, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm actually afraid of him right now. In fact, I'm, I'm He's wearing track. a turban, guys. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I do have my picture in, in a turban at work. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to say something because I see something. <laughs> Robert, let's get your, uh, tell us about, uh, you know, for any of the listeners that are new to the show, you know, who you are, what it is that you do, and uh, I want to get some of your insight into what uh, Dr. Future just spoke about. Okay, well, you'll have to prompt me when you're ready for me to respond. Okay, be careful with the uh, mic down there, because if you bump it, it will pick up. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I got dragooned into uh, Future Quake by uh, the good doc, Future, who is a a great uh, inspiration to me. Uh, Mike and I have known each other for a really long time. we went to the same school. Uh, he was the student and I was the teacher. 36 years. <laughs> yeah. But uh, basically, I have uh, taught in uh, private schools and public schools most of my life. I've done other things like computer programming and so forth. But a particular interest uh, to me always has been current events, political events, what kind of a world do we live in, how can we influence and shape the world that's around us. Um, Partly, you know, because of my experience as a Christian, which is that we're supposed to understand the world around us and have a positive impact on it. That's sort of what we're called to do, I think. I read somewhere. And and so uh, that's been a a major part of of what my uh, motivations have been most of my life. So it's it's an interest in... in, uh, current events, history, uh, and so forth. You used to teach history as well. I used to teach history. Uh, I'll be teaching history again real soon, it looks like, hopefully. Uh, But uh, over the last, uh, probably, uh, I could could start anywhere, but I could start with uh, 9-11 and say, I remember uh, on the day that uh, 9-11 occurred, I was teaching a class in, uh, as a matter of fact, I was teaching a history class that day, uh, American history, <clears throat> and when the uh, towers started smoldering, uh, we got hold of a television in our uh, room, and 
uh, I could tell right at the time this was this was major. You could feel the world turning, so to yeah. speak. But uh, also the sense that something peculiar was going on. This was not simply um, it, the the story that we were told. I won't say was false, uh, but it was but it was incomplete. That it left out essential it left out essential factors, and I sensed that for some time. Uh, it strengthened my view. Uh, I've, I've always, well, I've, most of my life I've had an ambivalent view about war. Uh, my Christian roots say that war is evil. My patriotic conservative roots say there's lots of justifications for war. And so I rock back and forth justifying it or not justifying it. But after the 9-11 event, um, I became extremely skeptical of war and uh, didn't, I, I could see that the whole idea of going into Afghanistan was utterly illogical, inappropriate, could not be morally justified. It was nothing but a knee-jerk reaction of, of the people uh, because they were being stimulated, I think, by press reports. Uh, so I, I guess I could blame uh, the media for fomenting this. On the other hand, people have to take responsibility. Uh, if you didn't believe in this kind of stuff at some deep subconscious level, yeah. you wouldn't be susceptible to propaganda. So let I'm me, not letting American people off the hook here. Let me interrupt real quick to say that I remember that you know so well, and I remember um, the big uh, movie that summer was Pearl Harbor. Right. And uh, I remember actually driving home after working on September 11th and seeing still the, the movie like on, next to a gas station. There's still a billboard that said that had like a Pearl Harbor advertisement on it. So you could still see it. Yeah. And it just, you know, that shows the, uh, I've always wondered whether that was just some way of getting us ready, you know, of course 2001 was the, what, 60th anniversary, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting that, that that was kind of in the consciousness at the time. Right, and uh, which you used the word, uh, and I'll pick up from there, a thing that has interested me is the whole study of consciousness yeah. since that point. Um, your individual consciousness, which is you know, partially under your control, maybe totally under your control, I don't know, and yet your participation in other larger collective consciousness which you influence and which in turn influences you uh, and how this all ties together, uh, that, that's big, become of, of a great interest to me uh, in the years since 9-11. Uh, and to watch, you know, in my own self, how much have I, how much do I actually have control of my consciousness, and how much am I uh, subject to external uh, events? And and one of the delightful things to me in, in the last few years is is to realize that actually you do have uh, tremendous control over your own consciousness. 
uh, and you can access things in your consciousness that are amazing. And so that's been an area, we can go into that later a little yeah. bit more, but uh, that's been something that's really interested me a lot in the last six or seven years. Well, I think that's a good point to bring Joe in here. Okay, Joe. Well, you get this mic right here. Yeah, you can talk into the main mic. You can hand that back to him in a About, you were talking about consciousness? Well, I mean, let's just, let's talk about, you know, you can there, you've been a while since you've been on, so let's talk about who you are, what it is that you're doing, you, can't, you know, some of your ideas on the things that we're talking about, okay. and bring up other things. Okay, um, it's all, I think we're all in, in a big game, like, we, what we, we're all conscious of what we're doing. We wanted to be here and do this. So when something happens, I just don't want people to take offense to it. it it's just, it was, I, I really believe in destiny a lot. I, I believe that we all wanted to be here and experience, you know, how 9-11 was and how we would react to it. Um, it's just something that I, I feel, you know, strongly about, but everybody can form their own opinions. Just don't be too, too dramatic when something happens. Just just go with your heart. If everybody goes with their heart and tries to do good, good things will happen. If everybody gets greedy and uh, wants to take stuff from people, bad things will happen. You know, and people will take revenge, and that's what all, a lot of this stuff ends up being. Is is just people getting back at each other, and and I really believe that um, what like. In, in the Christian Bible, talking about Jesus, Jesus says to, you know, forgive everybody, you know, you know, for what, what they've done, you know, everybody's just needs to put down their stuff and then start talking nice to each other, I think, everybody, everybody will get more along, and, uh, I, I've been working with the Tennessee Wraith Chasers, where, um, we've been doing a show, We've got six new shows coming up um, in September. Um, it's really not for the money right now with us because we're we were we're not you know we're not getting rich off of this. This is in our heart. We really want to figure out the paranormal stuff, then link that with with modern um, religious beliefs. So we've done a lot of experimenting, and we've been. Um, trying something new out and you'll see it in the show but um, if you watch if you can follow the Tennessee Wraith Chasers on Facebook and sign up to their Twitter you'll you'll be able to um, follow what we're doing but um, the show is done on the lighter side like we make fun of a lot of stuff but behind the scenes we're serious about finding evidence of, of paranormal things and and we want to also lead that into um, your. If you go to church, you're always told to pray and to talk to God and do stuff. But we we want to actually figure out if there's any visual evidence of a prayer. You know, so so we've been taking images of of normal static and then amplifying that. And you'll see us talking about some of that stuff, but. Um, Let's talk about some of the results and stuff that you've gotten um, from what you've been doing, and how how it is that you set that up, and what it, like 
Can you the, talk the about process. the programming yeah. that you're using, the process that you're using? Yeah, we're working with um, a top program by MIT. Um, they, were, they were funded to, to make this um, amplification of video, and they released it to the public, which I think is another possible government front that they're releasing this information because the stuff we are getting in mid-air is, is mind-blowing, and you'll be able to see some of this in the future. We're putting together an app. People will be able to um, log in and send us their own personal videos, and we'll put them through the software and send them back, and um, we'll let everybody be the judge of you know certain things, but it, it only takes a camera. You can just use your iPhone. If you see static on the iPhone, don't brush it away as as the phone's bad because the technology is the greatest it's ever been. Um, you're still going to see static and video noise, it's called. Um, that's what the MIT people were um, diagnosing is what is actual video noise? What is this stuff? And what they figured out, what we'll show you, is there's light is doing something in front of us. We're, we're actually all walking in this stuff all day long. And I think it, what we're walking in is the rest of the universe. It's, it's the material that we're all made up of. It just doesn't have um, a physical structure, but it is light. We're actually walking through this all day long. So, so if you can just sit your camera down without it moving and take a 20 second video and send it to us, we'll send you back what it shows in your living room and you'll be amazed at it. Then, then just use your faith, you know, pray to God and ask for something to show up on camera and you'll be amazed. You'll see, you'll see things that you've never seen before. And I, I think it's the, I really think it's a new enlightening level for mankind. That's how, that's how strong I believe about this stuff. But um, a lot of people are consumed with their daily, everyday lives. Everybody's a bunch of puppets, it seems like. They don't. They're consumed with things, but yeah, people like Dr. Future and Robert and stuff, they're changing what people think by, by, yeah. by the truth. And this light stuff we're doing is the truth. It's an actual um, amplification of what the camera is actually seeing, you know, instead of just saying that this is nonsense video noise. Um, what actually, you know, what are we actually looking at? And it just amplifies the truth. So I, I think that's what's needed, like in 9-11. Let's amplify the truth a little bit, you know, like what, what, what really happened? And, you know, they've been talking about it for a lot of years now, and I think then people are sort of being less trusting to the government, which is a good thing, I think. You know, we should not put all of our money on everything that the news lady tells you because it's it's propaganda people people just get tired of fighting and I think they just give in to, to all of this stuff but well, I, I need to know who hit Jay-Z this week <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the like the pro like how you're doing this Joe because you've come on the show before and you've talked about how um, you know, you have uh, guardian angels, and you've had out-of-body experiences, OBEs, and 
basically what you're doing is you're calling your guardian angel or something to show up and then it, you, you're taking that picture processing it through the software yeah um, I really believe that everybody has a level of psychicness that they don't know and if you can read a book and see the images playing out in front of you you are psychic um, and that that's my whole take on that and um, I can't do that I, I see just blackness I, I can't I cannot visualize anything but when I sleep I can actually leave my body and do anything you guys could do while you're reading so normal people who can just sit down in a chair and read a book and see it play in front of you try this please try sitting down without the book close your eyes and ask to see God do it stop being like like it, it's imaginary because it's not the first if you really think about anything in creation the first thought of of anything is a thought God thought of us we we were in his imagination before we existed that's how this table in front of me was a thought before it existed so so when you're thinking of something in your head as imaginary don't just discount it as nonsense it all begins with that single thought and that's sort of where I come from when I sleep I do this I can think of what I want to do then I'll go do it people call it um, outer body and definitely that's what's going on with me because I can step out and see my body but I really believe that what I'm doing is is not make-believe it is it is just experiencing my psychic ability but please everybody who can read a book and see the images sit down in a chair and pray say I want to see God now um, at first though don't believe everything you're seeing so in, investigate it like if if your guardian angel shows up and then you're not sure that it's them ask them the spell in English word like that you know like spell duck and if they can't spell that word um, then they might not be a part of your life you know so try to it, it needs more experimenting that's what I think so with with this video stuff I've actually taken it a step further I can sit behind my camera and ask for things and then film that 20 seconds then look at it and I'm getting things I'm not getting things that I recognize though but I'm getting um, shapes of people show up and shapes of of animals and things and it, it's super interesting but th this is just a, a fragment of my life you know it, it's one year or two one or two years I've been messing with it so I think it's like a baby learning how to walk at first the baby seeing everybody else do it really wants to do it but it takes them two years to figure it out so so that's what I want everybody to experiment with their own visualizing if, if you're if you if you pray why not close your eyes and pray and visualize who you're talking to don't just pray to thin air you know pray if you want to talk to God or your angels actually close your eyes ask them to show up in front of you then pray to them if you need help or if you want to help somebody why not have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them and that's sort of where I am with that I don't know if you guys under are understanding it but Robert you you're nodding your head makes sense to me yeah uh, 
I don't have anything to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, just, I, concur. <laughs> I concur. I concur. I concur with Joe. I concur, sir. Well, Robert, you're nodding your head. and uh, Yeah, I'm emphatically nodding my head. Okay. Um, I've, when you talked about guardian angels, uh, this is something that's really interesting to me because, you know, I've studied theology all of my life, and uh, most modern Christian theology is really very hostile to any kind of spiritual experience. And, and, and because they are, then if somebody has any kind of a spiritual experience, it is assumed to be that this is evil. Because okay. it's right. like there's no legitimate positive spiritual experience. And, let, and yet Jesus says very specifically that every child has a guardian angel. Mm-hmm. At, which means at one time I had a guardian angel. And as far as I know, he never checked out. Which means that, uh, as far as I can tell, I still have one. And, and I have this guardian angel present on the highest authority. This isn't speculative. The fact that I have not seen him or spoken to him may have more to do with the fact that I have not chosen to speak to him or, or see him than, uh, than any uh, cosmic reason why that this is impossible or forbidden. And I won't go into this too much, but I have had some rather specific experiences in the last, particularly in the last couple of years, I've been experimenting with this, where I will seek to contact my guardian angel, and I don't do this visually. This is all verbal between myself and the angel. And I will ask uh, the angel to establish some spiritual links. Uh, which I would like him to do. And, um, and I have thought, uh, from, from reading some, some really good uh, material by uh, the British author Charles Williams, who was a friend of Tolkien and Lewis, who had had some spiritual experiences himself, um, I, I realized that if I, if I was going to uh, converse with a guardian angel, I would want it to be totally above board. I would want, would want it to be friendly, respectful. Uh, I'm not trying to force anything to happen. I'm not trying to uh, do anything that I shouldn't do, want anything that I shouldn't want. And so being mindful of those things, uh, I, I have established some links. And uh, the approach that I have taken is to ask my angel whom I presume is in very close contact with me basically all the time, uh, if it would be appropriate for him to establish a link with another person via their angel, because I figure the angels know each other, mm-hmm. like we know each other, and they're aware of what's going on, and then see what happens. And um, I, have, I have been able to pray interesting results on behalf of other people at a long distance and and observe how quickly, how very, very quickly very detectable things are done. And and I don't really care, you know, to put this to a scientific test. I, I don't have to convince a scientist somewhere. All I have to know is that for my purposes, I am achieving the results that I am interested in. And um, I do this frequently, and the more times when I see visible, obvious successes within hours, within minutes, 
certainly within days uh, th that these these things transpire and uh, and, and some really delightful <laughs> some some really delightful reactions that occur uh, uh, but you can you can uh, go in this way and you can see you can perceive what is happening at a distance uh, I think I think uh, you know when you use the word psychic you you immediately turn off a whole bunch of people who think anything that is psychic is either false or it is evil and that's an unfortunate prejudice that you deal with yeah um, if you say spiritual which is the word I would like to use if you say spiritual then you deal with the problem of everybody thinks they know everything about that and so you can't tell them anything that doesn't job with everything they know about that so you can't say psychic you can't say spiritual so I like to use the looser word consciousness because it, at this point in time it's still a loose enough word that we haven't defined it and so you have a feel for what I'm talking about and I have a feel for what you're talking about when we say this it's just the the one thing that might be dangerous there is to think that this is all blurry okay it, what I'm thinking about is not blurry I think that there really are you know there, there really are conscious entities that operate uh, you know in their modes and 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 by their own uh, ways of doing things and that these are specific and they are real and they are available uh, I've yacked enough but that was I just was absolutely agreeing with what you were saying because I, I you, you find very very few people who have experimented in this area and are willing to talk about it I think it's time to experiment and talk about it I want to get Dr. Future's take on all this of what, about what Joe is doing and that it's also the wider area of the, the paranormal, which is something we talk about a lot of the show. You know, Chris Putnam has a book coming, well, it has come out now called The Supernatural Worldview, where he's challenging some of these ideas of that all the um, experiences, of taking all the experiences and saying that it's a from the devil or it's demonic or whatever. Um, and what's his viewpoint? Well, what's his, his, his viewpoint is, is that is that it's not. It's He's not challenging that of the devil. That's not all of the devil. Right. I'm yeah. saying, well, if Grant, you know, uh, if I go in and uh, all of a sudden, Robert, you're like, you know, on the ceiling and your head is spinning and you're puking and mm -hmm. you know, well, that would happen with Luke actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you think it was metal. But then, if like one night, if uh, Graham, if Grandpa came to you and told you where the buried treasure was, then you know. Which one of those is demonic, and which one of those is possibly just Grandpa actually coming to you? So I want to get to kind of Dr. Future's idea of some of this, but what you think about the paranormal well, and all that. I'm outclassed by you guys on this topic, <laughs> but can I make? I'll give you my opinion. Can I give a non-paranormal response to what you shared with us, Joe? Um, you got my wheels turning when you were talking about process, and I'm an engineer by training and profession, so. Um, when I think about what's called signal-to-noise, which is what people who deal with signals have to worry about, noise and other stuff, and, and you're talking about looking at something that people may see as noise mm -hmm. and saying there really is something there. And 
to first of all make a, a non-paranormal comment, it really relates to what I was talking about at the beginning. Because what I'm trying to do is say that we live in a world where if you turn on the 24-hour news channel and you listen to all these talking heads talk or in the radio, you're being deluged with noise. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're being told all of these random events that are happening and some talking head who you don't know and you don't know who's paying them from what institute is telling you what signal there is in that noise. Otherwise, you just see it as noise. In fact, there was a gentleman who was a specialty in the JFK assassination stuff that um, Robert here told me about, and, and he was introduced on a show, and they said, do you mind if we call you a conspiracy theorist? And he says, well, I guess not as long as you don't mind calling the other guest a coincidence theorist. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And that's really the two choices you have, is that it, it's almost like the difference in evolution and intelligent design. You really have a fork in the road. Either there is a conscious progression in the events around us, whether it's a spiritual manifestation you're talking about, or whether it's the events that occur in our world, and maybe their involvement with it, or they're just a series of random acts, including why we go to war, why we have certain events with other people, why some people end up being rich and some people poor. They're either all random events or there's something else to them. And, and what I'm trying to do in my research is to look in the noise and to process it, to get enough frames of data like you're doing, and say, is there a signal through that noise? Mm -hmm. And what I also find is that there are people, we, we, we'd like to think this noise just sort of happened to actually veil our view. Sometimes there's people who are specialists at creating noise and they will disguise a signal they don't want found by enveloping it in noise. And so we've got to find out who those people are. And if I can throw a bone to our, ma our mathematicians in the audience, uh, there's a, one tool that comes to mind that they use for this when you, when you have like a random signal is something called a Fourier transform analysis. And what they do is they have a tool where they can look at a series of different uh, periodic functions, sines and cosines, and split up what looks like a random signal into something that's definable. And they get real close to fitting exactly what it is. So there is something real tangible in our world that is what we're talking about, where you can decouple what looks like random and draw meaning out of it. And that's part of what our importance in life is, is to take the noise of life, whether it's an image on a frame, whether it's the events in our personal life or the world at, at large, and try to sort out the meaning in the midst of the noise. And that's what I think this show is about, too. Are you going to make a comment? Uh, no, go ahead. You finished? Well, I was just going to make some paranormal comments, but go on and share um, what you're going to share. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that each individual person has their kind of uh, paranormal talents. You know, uh, Heather back here is great with, like, divinatory things, divination. Uh, she has a talent for that. And Does she have dowsing rods or anything like that? <laughs> uh, tarot. Or augury? Okay, tarot. Um, she throws bones. <laughs> Does dances. Get my crown. Uh, yeah. Bird entrails do it for me. Uh, Joe's got the talent to ask questions and kind of see some underlying patterns going on that most people don't realize. They don't see, you know, plainly in front of them. Kind of the ability to read between the lines and see what's what's not there um, and I see where he and I differ a little bit is that I kind of uh, feel the latent emotions that are um, dousing an area like where I used to live in that bad neighborhood that I've talked about right. a few times on the show um, I'm, I'm kind of sensitive to walking into energies and stuff like that see because I don't believe that um, 
paranormal things can be captured on sound or video. That, that's that's my belief. And I mean, you know, and, and I but I'm open though. <laughs> I, 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 but but see the thing You're is, my I, friends. I, I leave I leave my ego out of it though. So you know, if, if something that he shows me, evidence he's collected, and you know, it could change my mind because I'm I'm open-minded to a, a dynamic opinion about things. You know, um, so I'm not saying that uh, I'm not firm on you know, not being able to capture anything paranormal on audio or video, uh, I'm, my, I, what I'm saying is that my mind is open, I'm willing to yeah. change that if I have the, I'm just skeptical as of right now. Yeah, yeah. But moving away from the, the visible, uh, tangible, yet you do experience some realities. Would you talk about that just a little bit more? Uh, experience the feelings that you have or your, your ability oh, yeah, to yeah. sense okay okay um well uh, a while back i kind of took a, a psychological shift I, I believe that people go through lots of psychological shifts through life it's obvious it's scientific you know you're going through uh, puberty and all that you're trying to identify yourself as a person you're imitating other people and trying to fit into um the, the lifestyle that's most desirable, uh, the best, you know, for you, for each individual person. And uh, as I was going through all of these different kind of phases trying to find out who I was, at one point I kind of just uh, said that the direction of my life is out of my control. It's all influenced by something external. And so I just kind of like let go of control completely and just said whatever happens, happens. And yeah, there was a lot of negative things that came up, you know, in that period of time, but uh, it all kind of culminated now. Uh, feelings, emotions, and stuff would come up, and I, I'm a strong believer in planetary influence, um, astrological influence on people, and uh, it seems to me, I haven't like really pinpointed this down to a science, but it seems like all of our feelings and emotions and things that happen, you know, Relationship-wise, career-wise, uh, promotions and things like that, they're on a, a huge reel that can repeat every two to four years. Because I find myself feeling the exact same thoughts or thinking the same thoughts and feeling the same emotions at the same time from one year to another. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always in a gray area about everything. So half of me thinks that uh, I do have control over my own fate. And then the other half thinks that it is external influences shaping my life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I can go back to make a just a brief paranormal Absolutely. comment, I probably can't yep. add much to what you guys are saying. But <clears throat> for those listeners who may have heard of me or something like that, they know that that I tip to be a practicing Christian. And as a Christian, I don't see how someone could be a practicing person of faith, period, and not believe in the paranormal. Because sure. the whole crux of what it is, Absolutely. at least in Christianity, is based upon someone who did a paranormal event, which was they rose from the dead. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> so if you believe that somebody rose from the dead, are you going to be a materialist in the middle of all that? Uh, and in fact, if there is not a paranormal, and if there's not a world beyond my senses, then I am doomed. Because all that means my destiny is, is oblivion of the grave. And then consciousness dissipates which the presence of a conscious consciousness period tells me that the scientist in me, which is what I am by my vocation scientist, has limits in being able to use my five senses and the instruments that I use to extend them 
they have they are not equipped to be able to, to determine where consciousness comes from or where it goes why it enters and enlivens not just a human but anything that that walks uh, on this earth or elsewhere and so the, the ramifications of that though if you admit that it exists then the question comes is how does that impact my thinking and my life and maybe that's the practical engineer side of me in that I'm not just happy to know something exists I have to figure out how does that impact what I think and do right and to me what it does is these things have an impact not only where I came from but where I'm going uh, they also give indications of realities beyond what my senses are telling me and it's a humbling thing because it tells me that if I try to define everything that exists in existence but what my senses tell me that that is an extremely foolish and short-sighted thing to do and I have created a cube of my own experience to live in while denying any existence outward now having said that um, this came up when I was able to speak back in well, what year was it 2008 I believe at a United Nations conference on religion and spirituality I was invited to in Montreal. There were people there who were household names like Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, a lot of noetic science people, uh, Sean David Morton, America's prophet, and these other people. And, and pretty much just about anything was talked about. Okay, And I have become much more libertarian in my thinking from the influence of Mr. Hyde here and, and other people in my life to be more understanding and flexible to respect people's um, experience the way they describe their experience but at the same time when we get into things of the paranormal that doesn't mean that we have to swallow everything it also it means that we are respectful dignified we give people benefit of the doubt we don't immediately dismiss people's experience because it doesn't fit in our paradigm but while we do that and we don't have to be insulting of another person but basically the golden rule fits for this like it does everything else. You, you treat them in a way you would want your experience to be treated. You investigate it, you take it seriously, you see if something can be derived that you can pursue further. Recognizing also that as good as the scientific method is, it has its limits too. And sometimes, just like what, we, what, what Mr. Hyde was saying here, he's had certain experiences that he realizes trying to do an ultimate scientific evaluation would probably just be a waste of time. It would take away from his time and using it and employing it. And that's hard for me to say as a scientist. Yeah. Uh, because I like to be able to define, characterize, to, to be able to use productively. And so I will still continue to do that while at the same time respect that there is an era, area of mystery to the world that we know. And God does not feel the need to have to dissipate that mystery. And now I don't feel the need to have to do it and I can still be fascinated about it. It also means I don't have to not explore it. And so, when I was at this conference, I heard a lot of stuff that I was highly skeptical about. And in fact, I would say even some people there I felt like were exploiting the listeners there. But I was hesitant to call out individuals to say that. But what I did mention to, to the people when I spoke was that we have a world history of people who have spoken to other entities and made contact by their claim and in fact, a lot of the world's uh, religious movements, some of which are called cults, some of which became world religions, emanated from that. And when we look at that impact on life, uh, one, I think we have the right, 
if we have a contact with other intelligences, we can respectfully ask to check IDs. Okay? Yeah. Now, uh, that doesn't mean we have to be insulting. Even in the Bible, it warns against the brash people who insult higher powers. And by their own braggadocio, they start telling other people what to do and this and that in the spirit world. And, and God gives human beings tremendous powers in the spirit world. In fact, even sometimes the angels have some envy over what we've been exalted. That's in our control if we choose to grab it. But humility never goes out of vogue or out of style, even in the paranormal world. And we should be humble in those worlds um, and look at, we, we should look at the spirit of people and what they tell us, and we look, need to look at the spirit of the spirits. Find out what are they telling us. That's a lot to find out what's of merit. Are they saying something that we know is of the nature of God that we know that's trustworthy? Uh, love other people. Treat people with kindness. Don't exploit other people. Promote goodness in each other. Promote humility. Ask for forgiveness. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Give forgiveness to others. Those are the things that are a sign of people who are in good standing with the creator of the universe, be they a spirit or a, or a human being. And so they tell you to, to deny God, then they're probably not that great. Yeah, got some questions about that. You know? got, got, got some questions on what they're doing. Because, you know, I see human beings having these same evil agendas. Why would we not expect some people in the spirit world to do the same thing? Right. And also some good ones. And also the fact that we shouldn't jump to conclusions until we get to know them a little bit better to find out what's going on. But we, we don't have to be a bull in the china shop in the spirit world. We also don't have to be so uh, arrogant that we don't, when we know that there's a good guide in the spirit world, that we don't make use of those guys rather than running down blind alleys on our own and, and be surprised when we're mugged from time and again. Yeah. So that, I don't mean that to scare anybody. You know, I, I've come from a Christian experience in an era where I could get spooked really bad by certain people that talk about horror stories, and they were real horror stories of dealing with people, and it can make you so spooked that you're afraid to have any kind of spiritual contact. You're afraid you're, you know, you're going to be, you know, assaulted in one form or another and things like that because it does happen. But yet, we should be confident enough, if we have a right relationship with the creator of this universe, that when we use proper precautions, just like we do when we're kids, and you, you don't get too close to the car door when you're talking to somebody at the curb, okay? We're not to live a life of absolute fright and fear. And if we live a life of fright and fear, then the bad guys have won. In fact, the Bible either goes so far... Either physical or spiritual. Either physical or spiritual, because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So when we're fearful all the time, what it means is we need to get a little bit more love in our life. And a little more love in our life... You look at guys like, for example, St. Francis, Okay. He was a guy filled with a lot of love. He loved animals. He loved everything. Okay? And so when he went down, and back to this holy war thing, there was a big battle between these Christian armies and these Muslim armies, I think in Egypt. And he goes down there with his fellow barefooted, sackcloth-wearing guys, and he sees these great armies lined up, and he knows the sultan and the other ones, the emirs on the other side, and they're all afraid it's going to be a big battle to the end. And he says, you know... I need to go talk to this guy of the gospel and tell him about Jesus. Now, he didn't say anything about Christendom. He didn't say anything about uh, the, the Christian empire and all this other kind of stuff and conversion. None of this stuff. Stuff. He says, I just want to talk about something that really, I've never met a person who had an issue 
with the life of Jesus Christ. Anybody, whether religious or not. It's all the other crap that goes with it that they don't like. And yeah. so, you know, he comes he comes down there. He goes down there and says, I need to go talk to them. And they look at him like, what are you, an idiot? I mean, these are an enemy. They're trying to kill us. It's going to be a bloodletting here in a few days. And so he waves them off and he traipses across the no man's land. He goes right up through these fearsome Islamic warriors with their weapons. He continues on walk and says, I need to see the emir. I've got some good news to tell him. And he goes in and sees this emir, you know, and everybody's waiting for his head to be chopped off. And he just says, I just wanted to tell you some good news. And he told him the good news about God. And the emir said, you know, that is good news. And he said, uh, you're a man of God. And he said, uh, your guys, uh, you know, if you want to run the holy places here, your people, you can run them throughout the Middle East. I say it's okay. Now, that was what the whole cause of the holy war was all about to begin with was about people having access to the to the holy places. And so here here you see institutions that are trying to create bloodletting uh, battles for centuries over something that a simple brave man who was not afraid walked and remedied. And so it's a it's an issue of fear and it's an issue of love. And that's that's one personal historical experience and I think the same thing applies in the paranormal world too. Love may be your best protection in, in these instances. Joe, how would you respond to what Preacher just said? Um, one thing I think what a, a tool that has been given to us now is the internet, and it's perfect for what he just said. D open up dialogue with people who, who, who you think hate you, you know? Open up dialogue with your enemies. Just talk to them. Maybe they've got the same ideas as you. There's just some crazy misunderstanding, you know, and just put down your arms and just start talking, you know, and you, you'll probably find out that, like Dr. Peter said a while ago, um, they're just families too. They, they want to raise their family and have a good time. So, you know, the United States was built on that too, the, right, the pursuit of happiness, you know, let's all pursue happiness without infringing upon everybody else's right to pursue happiness, you know, so we're all here together. So all I can say is just try to get along. Anything to that, Luke? Uh, adding to that, it, it seems like in general, uh, people are becoming more aware. I see it all around me, like uh, everybody's starting to question more. Everybody is placing more importance and value on education, it seems now. I mean, I know that there was a period, it seems like, you know, all throughout the 90s, uh, like, I, I, just, just because I was alive to, to see it, to, to be around, you know, in the 90s, I, I, to me, I've kind of perceived uh, everybody's beginning to place more value on education and everything here in America, and I think it's great. And, uh, what? <laughs> oh. Somebody's peeking in. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, um. Another thing is, um, I think it's great that you, you, you're you saying that uh, not to have fear of uh, these entities and everything paranormal. A, a lot of people like to shut it down. Anything happens to them out of the ordinary, like to shut it down. Yeah, and you also have all of the distractions with everyday menial life that kind of gets in the way of your spiritual side. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> 
Well, let's talk about something important. Um, what we've something been talking important. about. Oh, we, we need to talk about Nephilim at least once. On Can we talk show. about Sheep's Watch? <laughs> <laughs> friend asked me to bring up Sheep's Watch on the show. Oh, okay. Is, so, this, a, <laughs> is this a sheep version of Sasquatch? Sheep Squatch? I, I think it's some sort of long toothed, pointy toothed monster in West Virginia or something. Huh. I think you're pulling the wool over our eyes. That was a bad have, have you heard about some kind of mammalian beast up, up in uh, Wisconsin? Mammalian beast. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's like one of the movies Dr. Future watches. <laughs> Apparently, it's like a giant dire wolf or something, and it's killed like two people in a small town in Wisconsin. I, it's been a while since I read the story, so I can't really remember all the details, but... It, I, you, you still hear... Is this like Beast of Bray Road? Is that what you're talking about? I, I have like no the, idea. It, like the, I, all the I know... Wolf thing? All I know is that there's some small town in Wisconsin that's got um, a uh, uh, an abbot. Uh, monastery. Okay. An abbot. Yeah, yeah an abbot. Yeah. yeah. There's like a monastery there, and I know there's a small town close to that, and reports were that uh, like two different people were killed by some kind of beast. Doing. <laughs> Some kind of beast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they said it looked like uh, people's drawings of chupacabra uh, combined with a dire wolf or something. Yeah. Uh, so you hear you still hear these little stories, you know, even here in America where it doesn't seem like we have that much mythology going on. You know, we're a young country still. Right. People are still seeing strange things. And yeah. You know, that's and it's and that in and of itself though has become mythology, like stuff like Sasquatch and Long mm-hmm. Ghost. Can I tell you about a weird experience like that I had? Sure. That I don't know. I can't remember if I've ever talked about it on radio. Um, did I ever tell you about the the person that I saw at the entrance to Area Fifty One? You've told me. Okay. But it's never been put on. Yeah, you told you told so. us. Yeah, I remember yeah. that story too. Well, may, may, I'll, if you can, I mention yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Because one of your listeners may know what I'm talking about. Solve the mystery. Yeah. Um, the first time I went to the edge of Area 51. The second time I went with the gentleman sitting next to me. And, and in fact, uh, that that time the the lights from the security people shine on me at an awkward moment. When I was not in a position to be able to get away very quickly, it was a long drive. It was a long drive. Let me say that. Way. And I was on the side of the road next to the "Go further and you'll be shot" sign. And uh, I was, a, yeah, I was caught with my pants down. In a way of saying, is this what you wanted to ask the listeners about? No, that's not it. Um, th- there was another. The first time I went there, uh, when you drive out in the middle of nowhere out to uh, the area of Area Fifty One. There's one stop, and it's an unearthly kind of area because you drive for hours and hours and not see a thing. Yeah. Uh, there's this little little place called it's a roadside diner called the Alien, little Alien, and there's a little map you can buy for 33 cents, where it shows you where the famous black mailbox is, which actually is white now. And you turn down it, and you drive X number of tenths of miles, and you drive and drive and drive till you get to the place where they say if you go past this, they can shoot you. So the first time I went. Uh, I was with my brother, my older brother, 12 years older than me, licensed minister, unlike me, has a good reputation, and uh, trustworthy. <laughs> and uh, we started driving. It took us so long to get there that it, it was past dusk by the time we got on the road. So d- darkness fell. It was very unearthly feeling. And we drove and drove and drove. 
and thank goodness we were in a rental car because it was a pretty rough road driving through there. The last road you turn on to get up to the sign is a really coarse gravel. It's like I almost feel like you need a Humvee to get down it. And we drove and drove and looking at the tenths of miles and when you get to the border, you know. And meanwhile, I started noticing this red light flashing up and down in the back window. And I kept thinking, what is this following us? And then I thought, well, maybe it's my tail light reflection or something. But then I tested, no, it wasn't. But, but the one thing is it's an extremely arid area. It's desert. And so you get this huge cloud behind you that just sort of settles over the landscape because there's nothing out there. And it's a big cloud. You're going down this dusty road of gravel. And so as we got closer and we got within like a tenth of a mile from what the map said, you come up to the sign, there was a slight berm just off to the, to the right, and the road forks around it to the right. And so as it went around the little berm where you couldn't see, all of a sudden there was a car parked on the other side of the road facing outward like it was leaving. And it was parked, and next to it was this man standing that had this long robe, like what you picture prophets having, and this guy had this long white beard and white hair and was holding a staff in his hand and he was standing next to the car door next to the person in the car. Well, by combination of things, here we were two grown men and there was something that was such a chilling feeling on us, we did not stop. And to this day, I wish I had stopped to ask what the heck's going on. I bet, I bet they were barking. <laughs> but... We kept on because we, At could, Area 51. we could see <laughs> with we could see with that eyesight the sign. So we pull right up in front of it so I can get my picture in front of it. Yeah. Well, as soon as I run in front of it, the lights go out in the car. So we have to run back, put the lights on, take the picture, get back in the car, turn right around. So it couldn't have been more than a minute, maybe. We turn right around that corner of the berm. There's no car. Our headlights can see down the straight road for miles and miles and miles. No car, man's gone. There's not even a cloud of dust that you would have had to make for the car. And I asked my brother, I said, are you seeing what I'm seeing? He says, yes, I, yeah, and I don't, I can't explain it either. And every once in a while when we see each other, I will ask him, do you still remember what we saw? He says, yes, I remember exactly what it is. So <laughs> if any of you listeners can explain who that guy is, I would like to know. Wish I could have had him on Future Quick. Maybe Conspiranormal could have him. I think Heather's got the best explanation <laughs> yeah. so far. I think, I think he needs to ask Tex. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's, it's probably a Burning Man. He got man. lost probably Burning burner. Man. <laughs> uh, or, or, or one of the, the uh, Burning, burning man, man patrons. Uh, oh, God, off. where am I? <laughs> See, the is thing this is, where the temple is? The, well, he had to teleport if it was, because the car disappeared too. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was my question. If he could apparate, then why does he have an SUV next to him? <laughs> right, right. And there was somebody else in that vehicle. He was just having a chat with them there, I presume. So I don't understand it, but I think you that person... You may have come across like the Grim Reaper or something. I don't know. Could it, well, then everybody started dying around me, too. But it's probably unrelated. <laughs> what were the red lights behind you? Never yeah, figured that see, out either. Did you see the red lights when you pulled back around the berm to go to leave? No. Never saw them again. Never did, saw did you see a trail of the red light anywhere in the, in the sand that, or the dirt that had kind of... No. Huh. No. Wow. But the, the, the security guys were up on the hill watching us because they turned the lights on us when we went up to the, to the thing and flashed them a couple times so they, we knew to not proceed. In about the brief time that we have left, about, about 10 minutes or so. Thanks for letting me share that. Hey, no problem. Thanks for sharing it. Um, 
But by the time we have left, I want to talk about some of the things that, kind of briefly, what, from doing your shows, from doing your projects, and I'm going to get Luke in on this, what he's learned from doing this show, uh, about what, what things that you've learned. Boy, 300 shows. Yeah. Each, like, two-plus hours each. The last one, I think, was almost six hours that you were on. Yeah, that was um, A few quick things come to mind. Um, one is our life matters. We need to get engaged in life. I believe we're our brother's keeper. When you hear injustice going on, when you hear people exploiting other people, it is not satisfactory to turn the other way. I don't care whether you're a Christian or, or atheist or whatever you are, you still... You should understand whoever you believe made you holds you accountable when you see somebody in need. And and that we have tremendous power if we're willing to make the commitment. And basically, you have a choice in life. You can either just sit on the couch every night, pop in a DVD or watch your TV show, and of course, everything's fine with that in time. But you can spend your life doing that and just pursuing mindless pursuits, basically adding to the noise that Joe was talking about. Or you can produce signal in life. Yeah. You can produce something of meaning. It's up to you to what you want to produce. And we have no reason, and all of your listeners out there are no different than the situation I was in in 2005 or you were in 2012, you guys, when you said, hey, we could do this. We could get involved. We could add to the great conversation. We could let some voices out there. We could sort of think together and deliberate. And it's okay if you don't come with the ultimate answer tonight or tomorrow, but but we're thinking and we're talking, and we're look we're listening to other voices, and nothing's going to happen until we do that. So those are some of the things that I, in a broad sense, that I learned. Other than to watch out for the Nephilim, of course. Right, watch out <laughs> for those guys. But other than that, that was the the stuff that I want to encourage your listeners to as they reflect back on fifty shows here. Which you guys deserve tremendous congratulations on. Thank you. I lost yes. a huge. Here, here. I lost a huge bet. I said they'd never make it past ten. It cost me a fortune. But well, I've got two hundred fifty more shows to catch up to you. Doctor. Well, I'm sure they'll go back quickly. But uh, um, I just well, want to use. Handle it. I want to use Raul's example, but you got to be diligent. You don't. You know, there's a lot of times I'm sure you all don't feel like doing these shows. Uh, or you could kill each other or something like that. And you got to work through that kind of stuff. And I just want to encourage the other listeners, our, our 300th and last Future Quake show, we focused on the shows that spun off, including yeah. yours. Absolutely. And I want to say, let the legacy continue, because you let the so-and-sos win if you don't get out there and add to the mix. You let the well-institutionalized, well-funded uh, establishment people dictate the conversation, unless we dive in. So everybody out there, you think you got nothing to talk about? You do if you'll challenge yourself. So get up off your duff, grab, grab some, you know, minimal equipment and a microphone, and, and add to the conversation. Right. And if it's and, easy to do now. Right. If you want to know how to do it the right way, just listen to Conspiracy Normal, and you can see what good quality radio is all about. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Nothing to add. Nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> you, sound, you sound like me now. <laughs> yeah, I took a page from Luke's book here. Joe? Um, not, nothing to add. Just uh, try to focus on things more in your life. When you're unfocused, bad stuff will happen. It's just like you letting go of the 
the steering wheel, you're being unfocused. You're going to get into a crash. If you can focus on driving, try to focus on the rest of your life. I thought of something, finally. The, okay. One of the things that I have most enjoyed in the last 10 years, I would say, is life increasingly gets interesting. You start seeing possibilities that you hardly believed existed before. And, and over the course of time, and you start exploring these possibilities, and they become realities. And then you start realizing, man, that means that there are even more possibilities behind those. It's like mm -hmm. walking through a door to uh, a world, of, uh, just a world of possibility. And there's a door behind it, and there's open space, and there's, there's whole realms, I find, to explore. So to me, you know, life is really fun right now. I, I think I'm having more fun right now in my life than I ever had before because I see things just being possible. I, I, I know that we live in a time that's uh, tough, and, and I don't want to minimize the fact that there's a lot of people that are facing tough situations that are out of their control, it's not their fault, and so forth and so on. And I, and I sympathize. But, you know, on the other hand, there are tremendous possibilities. There right. really are. And it's fun to walk in them. Uh, what do you want to ask me? Well, I wanted to ask you, Liam, how things have changed, like your ideas have changed since you've been doing the show um, the last two years. Well, you know, I've said before, and now I have the chance to uh, make it a little bit more uh, articulate, I guess. If, if that's possible, <laughs> um, it the this, this show has taught me. Uh, you, you know, I, like I said earlier, I've been skeptical about interactions with um, with beings of, of paranormal nature. Yeah. And some of the a couple of uh, Ross, Russ Dizdar and then the last guy that we talked to that was performing the exorcisms. John's office. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm still I still have a level of skepticism toward that kind of thing, but. Um, it's given me a little more caution. I used to kind of have this uh, reckless attitude and wanting to invoke and summon entities and stuff like that. And, and the homunculus. Right. And, and it, but I, I've, I've mentioned before. Don't show up. And I, I've mentioned yeah. before that I have uh, played around with some kind of dark stuff, and uh, and now I I stay out of it because if you if you look, step back and look at it, I mean, there's no reason. You could physically, uh, and you could physically accomplish what you want to without having to um, sway or tip the scale, you know, of, of the paranormal world. Mm -hmm. Sure. And um, it, it just it just seems like no matter what you do, it's going to cause consequences on on yourself. You know, if you try to uh, accomplish anything that's greedy in any way, selfish, you know, for yourself. So the show the show's taught me uh, kind of like that. That, that that and then another thing is um, to apply more science and logic instead of yeah I know Heather, I know Heather loves that uh, but yeah I, I used to kind of just I, I would get a feeling about something that I heard someone say or something that I've read I wouldn't fact check I wouldn't look at any other sources you know I would just be I would just take off with an idea. And it would it, people get excited when they hear things that appeal to them. You don't immediately think to 
oh, I need to, to, to fact check this, you know, I need to read other um, uh, perspectives of it and everything. They just they get excited because it's uh, something that's personal to them and then they carry on with it. And the show's taught me to, to uh, be more logical and, and apply science to. Excellent. It's yeah. kind of like meeting in the middle of the way. Right. We'll put Heather in the hot seat real quick. You've listened, to every, you've listened to every show, yeah, as a listener. Wow. What's the one thing you think you've gotten out of um, the last 50, 49 shows? Uh, well, I remember when you told me you were going to start the show. Yeah. And you we told me the concept. And uh, you told me the loop was going to be on it. <laughs> 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 um, so, I, I don't know. I guess um, when I was a child, I... I um, had a really good ability to um, make myself scared with um, spiritual or paranormal kind of things. And if someone told me something about the spirit world, I would just kind of like go overboard and uh, whole hog it, you know, and kind of put myself in a weird place. Um, and as I became an adult, I didn't want to be taken in by anything again. So I became kind of a, 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 a cynic. Um, uh, skeptic. What, listening to the show, I'd say, has kind of allowed me to um, dip my toes back in, where um, I can hear different viewpoints from lots of different types of guests, too. I mean, you kind of run the gamut. It's nice. Yeah, there are some guests where, um, literally, since we've worked together for so long, I can actually you know, sometimes hear you in my mind screaming. Oh my God, he did not just say that. Uh, I, I, I still do kind of uh, need to see a lot of sources and see a lot of, maybe not proof, because sometimes you can't get literal proof, but at least more evidence, I think, is necessary before you start just jumping off a cliff. Um, yeah. And uh, so I am a little bit of a, a skeptic, but I've, I've, I've allowed myself to ask more questions and be more comfortable with the mystery, like uh, Dr. Future was talking about. Um, more comfortable with not knowing the answers to everything. And, and I enjoyed the kind of listeners, that, or I mean, uh, the kind of guests that you've had on that kind of poke at different boundaries. Entirely different. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was the... Um that was the reason for me to start this show was I'd listen to a lot of shows like Future Quake and, and um, some other shows that were you know in another realm which is the paranormal realm so I had uh, <clears throat> wanted to get on different people with different points of view and I think I've succeeded in that mm. in many different ways that what I've found what I have found somewhat surprising has been that uh, there's been a lot of cross-pollination between a few of my guests. Like the whole number 33 thing. That was coming up left and right, and it was with a few of our guests, I think with Adam Go Riley and Scotty Roberts and, and such. And uh, so there were just so many things that were happening. And, and I think Conspiranormal for me over the last 50 shows has been this kind of accumulation of knowledge which I could possibly use to put into some kind of writing or some kind of written form. Oh, yeah. Rocket Futures putting his, pointing his finger at me. <laughs> so, you know, how everything, I, I guess for me, it's like how everything fits together. You know, we've had on so many different types of people on this show. Um, we had on, you know, we mentioned the guy Tex, who was a, a, a guy from, you know, we, we call a burner, you know, somebody who goes to Burning Man every year. 
uh, we've had on, you know, Russ Dizdar. And um, what was Adam uh, or was Adam Ellen Boss? Yeah, yeah, he Adam was really Ellen good. Boss. But that um, was like was, Luke's favorite show. Oh, <laughs> Devon. Oh, Devon. Devon. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> And it goes, it goes, uh, he, yeah, he was something on, else. He's on one of one end of the spectrum right. for me, and on the other end would be like the guy who was talking about all of the, the popes that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, that he was going into detail about like every right. single that was Chris Putnam, yeah, and talking about masonry, yeah. But, but Luke, Luke dies when it's like, uh, when it's like, uh, like, yeah, like names and like names and dates, he just starts to just I, I like, why don't you get those two guys to put them together? Divine Devon. Yeah, that would be <laughs> But I, I wasn't saying anything bad. But you know, those those two in in my mind are like completely opposite on the spectrum. Right. Exactly. It's, that just shows your diversity. So you're gonna find somebody like Divine Devon or somebody like uh, you know one of my favorite shows was probably um, the Burning Man episode that we did because it was so because it got emotional. It was so different. Than from that any kind of like, I think any kind of paranormal based or conspiracy based show would do. I mean, it really didn't. It really didn't fit in anywhere, but yet it did. And what I got out of that was here's this guy that goes to Burning Man every year who has such a sense of brotherhood. And I think through that episode, I was trying to show well, you know, if there's any Christians listening to my show, which I'm certain there are, that you know. Here's this guy, you know, probably he's not a Christian, but yet this is this is going on, and they're showing more brotherly love and more Christian understanding than most Christians do. Promoting a spiritual space. Correct, correct, yeah. So, well, I want to thank everybody for coming and being part of this. Dr. Future, Robert Hyde, Joe, Mr. Prime. And of course, Luke and Heather for whoop, whoop. chiming in. Wes has been in the background. <laughs> Hi, Wes. <laughs> Lurking. <laughs> Lurking in the background. So uh, hopefully we'll have 50 more shows and then we can do something for number 100 someday. But uh, that might be another two years. But the rate we put this show out. <laughs> hey, can I make a request? Can you get Valiant Thor on this show? Yeah, we get Valiant Thor. Stranger at the Pentagon. <laughs> There's been some people that I still want to get on, like Oberon Zell. That's, the that's what I was going to say. You know? That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> the guy who drinks, who supposedly uh, uh, rose, uh, what he like, raises unicorns. And, that's and, who you saw in the desert. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. That, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. Is it yeah. the polyamory, I think, hey, is what it is. Yeah. Can we get some more women on yeah, the show? Yeah, we can get some yeah. women on the show. <laughs> hey, I, I just want to tell, uh, I, I really appreciate what Luke had to say about the progression he has, I mean, that was really insightful. And about the part that you said about your involvement with the paranormal, it reveals stuff about ourselves, what our motives. And when you said going through like things like evocations and invocation could reveal a selfishness in wanting to control the stuff, I'm doing some research right now on Jewish magic, where they're actually doing death curses and hexes in Israel now yeah. to try to do political things. Mm-hmm. And it's outright selfishness, and they're trying to exploit the spirit world to do something that's very fleshly right. and selfish. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to let you be c- comforted to know that even though you may not pursue that for selfish motives, 
you can leave that to the global industrialists and the world bankers because I'm sure they're doing pl- plenty of evoking, right? Spiritually for their own selfish objectives. Yeah. So we'll leave it to those guys, and they'll they'll receive their cosmic reward for it. Oh yeah. You know, exactly. in, unless they get wise to what's going on, and I hope they do. You know, one at a time. But in the meantime, we will. But I just wanted to say I really appreciate your thoughts and. I'm sure that is indicative of the kind of cool stuff that gets talked about on the show here. As a listener, thank you guys for putting this together for 50 episodes. No problem. Thank you. Is this like some kind of Hellfire Club meeting here? No, no, no. Is that what this is? This is what it is. I wondered what, you know, I had no idea that you, you did this down in the seventh level below the Dolce Air Force Base at Four Corners. Well, I, I saw the alien hybrids we had to fight our way through, Robert and I did, to get here. Well, Devon Devon's coming over, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah, se- several of our guests later on our later segment may be a little altercated. <laughs> may or may not be. Altercated? Yeah. Altercated. <laughs> <laughs> Our inebriated says the such a thing. So I want to thank everybody for listening and start for another 50 shows on Conspiracy <laughs>
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.